Good morning. Please join me in the prayer of illumination. Let us pray. God of all creation, send your Holy Spirit among us this day that the seed of your word might take root in our hearts and bear the fruits of peace, love, and justice for all. Amen. The scripture today comes from Genesis, the 22nd chapter, verses 1 through 18. After these events, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, Abraham answered, I'm here. God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah. Offer him up as an entirely burned offering there on one of the mountains that I will show you. Abraham got up early in the morning, harnessed his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, together with his son Isaac. He split the wood for the entirely burned offering, set out, and went to the place God had described to him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place at a distance. Abraham said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will walk up there, worship, and then come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the entirely burned offering and laid it on his son Isaac. He took the fire and the knife in his hand, and the two of them walked on together. Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father, Abraham said, I'm here, my son. Isaac said, Here is the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the entirely burned offering? Abraham said, The lamb for the entirely burned offering? God will see to it, my son. The two of them walked on together. They arrived at the place God had described to him. Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He tied up his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. But the Lord's messenger called out to Abraham from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham said, I'm here. The messenger said, don't stretch, stretch out your hand against the young man and don't do anything to him. I now know that you revere God and didn't hold back your son, your only son, from me. Abraham looked up and saw a single ram caught by its horns in the dense underbrush. Abraham went over, took the ram, and offered it as an entirely burned offering instead of his son. Abraham named that place the Lord Sees. That is the reason people today say, on this mountain the Lord is seen. The Lord's messenger called out to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I give my word as the Lord that because you did this and didn't hold back your son, your only son, I will bless you richly and will give, you, give your countless descendants as many as the stars in the sky and as the grains of sand on the seashore. They will, they will conquer their enemy cities. All the nations of the earth will be blessed because of your descendants because you obeyed me. The word of God for the people of God. So, um, I'm not sure uh, how this became the scripture for Father's Day. 
a laugh. You have to, that, that's hilarious, right? I mean, could you imagine what it'd be like later on after this for uh, when Abraham's family is celebrating Father's Day? I mean, what, what, what card do you give to dad when this little episode's happened, right? You, you know, I, I mean, there's always the generic card and you kind of fill in your own message, right? Uh, but um, makes you wonder, right? I mean, could you... Could you say, uh, Happy Father's Day, Dad, thanks for not slaughtering me? I, don't, I mean, it just doesn't hallmark it up, right? Um, so there are many jokes that I could continue to uh, harp on that one, but I'm sensing that there are other uh, things that we would be doing today. Um, maybe just one last run-in, right? I mean, in, in terms of raising a generation in faith, which is our uh, theme for the summer, uh, and, and especially uh, thinking about how relationships are, fa- uh, faith is formed through relationships. I mean, he, here's a great role model opportunity, right? You think about uh, how many uh, children in our community are watching how we set our priorities and uh, what are most valuable things and, and what do we hold back from God? I mean, th- this is one of those images that for Isaac, I mean, he had a, a front row seat, right, uh, to how dad was willing to um, uh, give it all for what God has called now, I think there's so much more to the story than just this. Uh, it'd be fair to say that um, uh, some preachers would uh, preach a cute, short sermon uh, that says uh, this is one of those stories that's uh, how we find out what the name of a certain mountain is, right? There's, there's these stories quite often uh, told uh, in the Bible. Uh, this one tells us how Mount Moriah became Mount Moriah and not Mount Camerano, Right? Um, it's one of those stories that as the Israelites are coming into Canaan and taking over uh, the area, um, all the, the tribes and nations around them practiced child sacrifice. Uh, so maybe this is that nice story that says we're different. We don't. But wouldn't you agree with me that there's more here? There's more here because Mount Moriah becomes also synonymous with the Temple Mount. Uh, And so um, the tabernacle is constructed there, the temple as well. Um, This is holy ground on multiple levels. And not only uh, reading through the eyes of, say, a rabbi or a Jewish reader uh, is it important, but you could read it through the eyes of the New Testament. What an interesting parallel story when we think about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection on the cross, uh, and the, uh, the tearful prayer uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, um, and the, the loud crying out uh, to God. Uh, there's an interesting parallel, much to mine and much to learn as we think about it. Still not so sure Father's Day, but okay. You're not going to laugh at that one again. Um, So when we look at the story, it begins uh, with these simple words. Uh, Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 says, um, After these things, God tested Abraham. That sounds pretty innocent, right? Like it's been easy street for Abraham, uh, and now the real tough stuff's going to happen. But let's look back um, in the chapters that uh, Abraham is in, uh, in Genesis. Uh, What are these things? Well, these things are, uh, God called Abraham to go someplace sight unseen. Uh, I think the, the word Ur is kind of like east or over there. 
and Abraham goes, right? There's no long um, diatribe. There's no arguing, uh, you know, like Moses does uh, with the burning bush. There's no, can I bring my brother, right? Uh, no, they just go. And then um, uh, there's that moment of the covenant being made between Abraham and God. And if you remember in that Genesis passage, um, uh, God has uh, Abraham uh, cut up whole livestock animals and put half of the carcass on one side and half of the carcass on the other. And, and that God, uh, uh, Abraham in the presence of God, walked through uh, these uh, halves of animals as if to say, if you break the covenant, may it happen to you what happened to these animals, right? This is big stuff, big, big stuff. The promise is conveyed through the covenant. Uh, some of these things are the long years of Sarah's barrenness. Uh, some of these things are the taking of the handmaiden and having a, a child through her named Ishmael. And then uh, God saying, no, that's not the right heir. Send him away. I mean, th this is big big stuff. And then lastly, at long last, right, the three mysterious strangers come to visit Abraham and Sarah. Uh, and, and there, while, while Sarah's in the tent next door, she's over listening. And the, the three strangers, who which scripture tells us is God, as they're uh, eating and talking with Abraham, the three strangers say that your, your wife is going to have a baby. Now, let's remember they were easily 90 years old. Okay, well, that, all right, you're not going to go with me on that one. And you remember what Sarah does when she overhears that at 90 plus, she's going to have a baby. She, she laughs, right? And not like a giggle, tee hee hee, but I would imagine it's a full-fledged, wah-ha-ha. And that's how Isaac gets his name, because uh, Isaac is uh, Hebrew for he laughs. And so now God tests Abraham as if those weren't tests and says, okay, take your son, uh, your only son, and head out to the place where I've told you to. Take enough wood for the sacrifice um, and um, take your son. Every indication in that command uh, is that uh, God is asking uh, Abraham uh, to sacrifice Isaac uh, on the altar. Now, the narrator works with us. As you're reading it together, uh, the narrator finds every opportunity to say uh, that Isaac is his son, Abraham's, uh, that uh, Abraham is his father, Isaac's. They walk together. Uh, they are step by step. Isaac carries the wood of his own sacrifice. Now, now some commentators want to say that, uh, that Isaac wasn't, uh, he just wasn't really smart, or, or, or he was really young, uh, or, or he was just really clueless. But the truth of the matter is Scripture does not give us any of those clues. Uh, Isaac knows what's going on. And as they near to where, um, as they near to where the sacrifice is going to be had, um, Abraham stacks up the wood, and Isaac asks, you know, the captain obvious question, right? We have everything for a sacrifice, Father, except where's the lamb? And Abraham says, God's going to provide. Now, here's that moment where we can stop and say, whoa, right? I mean, who follows a God that commands child sacrifice, 
right? I, I've had a chance to ask questions and kind of mosey around uh, in the midst of the community over the last couple of weeks and kind of ask that question occasionally, and I had no takers. No, nobody was interested in sacrificing their child. I, mean, can you, I, I can imagine those moments of holding Grace uh, initially after she was born, and, and I'd have fought anybody that threatened anything. Right? In our culture, that just doesn't fly. And I'd be willing to say in uh, Abraham's culture, that didn't fly either. And so you here, here have a divine commandment to do something uh, drastically, traumatically terrifying. And so uh, Abraham says, um, God's going to provide. Uh, God will provide. Um, when... Um, you can notice uh, in three places, uh, Abraham responds, Hanai. Um, when uh, God uh, says, uh, Abraham, um, uh, Abraham says, here I am, Lord, or uh, I am here is how the translation was. And I have to appreciate, uh, what an uh, interestingly awkward translation to say the entirely burnt offering, um, not once, but like seven times. Um, different, right? But here I am. He says, um, when Isaac says, uh, Father, to ask about the um, lamb for the sacrifice, uh, Abraham says, here I am. This is an interesting story. We, we sing that song, here I am, Lord. It is I, Lord. Um, it, it, it's about calling. That same uh, here I am was when uh, God called Abraham, who was then known as Abram, uh, to go to Ur. What did he say? Here I am. What a powerful word for Abraham to say throughout these stories. So we get to that moment where Isaac's uh, on the wood pile now. Uh, Abraham has the, uh, the fire in hand and the, the knife in hand. He's going to kill the child and set him on fire. And, and it's about to happen. I mean, everything that the narrator tells us creates this moment. Uh, if we were in a, a suspense movie, uh, it would be that, that high trill of the violin, right? Um, if we were in an action movie, it'd be that deep rumbling bass, right? You know something's about to happen. And Abraham, looking down at his child, Isaac looking up, he goes to kill the child. And it's interesting that God calls out twice, right? It's kind of like um, Abraham has gotten sucked into the moment, and God's got to really get his attention. Abraham, Abraham! And what does Abraham say? Here I am. And of course, uh, God says, don't harm the child. And Abraham looks across the clearing and sees a ram caught in the bush, uh, and pulls him out, and they sacrifice the ram. What a powerful story. Uh, what a powerful set of relationships. Um, a, a God who commands um, Abraham, the bearer of the promise, uh, to sacrifice the heir of the promise. Uh, Abraham, uh, the uh, father who uh, loves and cares, uh, having to contemplate sacrificing the child named laughter there on the mountain. There's a lot that comes together here. 
Some commentators would say, do you really think that Abraham didn't trust that God knew what he was doing? I mean, this is the same guy who said, yep, I'll go east. It's the same guy who said, um, yep, uh, I'll be part of the promise. It's the same guy who argued with God about what to do with the city of Sodom. You remember Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Abraham, he wanted to, I mean, it wasn't just a, hey, uh, why don't you be nice to him? But no, it was like, all right, how many people, righteous people, have to be there for you not to, not to destroy the city? And they, they, they go to bidding, like it's an auction. Will 10 be enough? 20? I mean, usually in the Hebrew tradition, any conversation with God um, um, it, it is an opportunity to be um, uh, destroyed by the divinity and holiness of God. Um, that's why uh, Orthodox Jews don't pronounce God's name. They don't write it, it's G-D. Um, that's why um, the most often, I think over 200 times in the Old Testament, uh, <clears throat> you hear angels say, um, fear not. It's like, hey, I'm not gonna zap you yet. God's got a message for you. I mean, this is no shrinking violet. Maybe we read the story in a strange way. We read the story from our level of trust, uh, where um, we can show up uh, and worship God on Sunday, um, and then the rest of the week is ours, as opposed to Abraham, who um, had to uh, depend upon God for everything. That level of trust didn't come from a quick trip to the Mount of Moriah, where he didn't have to kill his child, Maybe it's come through a lifetime of living in the presence of God. There's an interesting wordplay in the Hebrew here. As we get to, towards the end of the uh, story, um, it talks about the place name. And, and, uh, you know, and then for this reason, they called the mountain the Mount of Moriah, right? Um, the ra'ah uh, word in Hebrew uh, is a wordplay between uh, provides and sees. Right, most of you know the scripture passage is the Lord will provide, right? Because God provides the ram in the moment. But, but the ra'ah could also be the Lord is seen. Now, now I want to be honest with you. Um, it's not that different between the Lord provides and the Lord see, is seen. I, I don't know about you, but in those moments when uh, things are really bad, when it seems like all is lost, all hope is gone, when things have been dark and dead, uh, I don't know, more than three days, uh, when you think nothing can pull hope out of this, we usually refer to the fact that God shows up, that God's seen. And when God is seen, when God shows up, he also provides so in the wordplay between uh, here is the mount where God is seen, um, sure helps that they end up making it the temple mount where the holiest of holies is, but it's God provides as God is seen. In this church, as we uh, strive to raise a generation in faith, which doesn't mean that you have to have kids at home uh, or grandkids at home. It just means to know what role you play in the community that uh, the kids are watching. Uh, we, we say at our house, when Grace was younger, uh, little pitchers have big ears. Um, she never understood what, who are the pitchers and why do they have ears of corn? No, they're all listening. 
They're paying attention. They're watching our moves. They, they, they see what we value and what we prioritize. They know whether um, Saturday night fun and excitement on the weekend is more important than Sunday morning worship because it's just so hard to get up. They see how uh, we uh, order our finances and whether uh, a tithe comes off the top or whether, you know, we'll make that tithe check up next month. They're watching. They, they see, they hear. Uh, values are not taught, they're caught. And so in the midst of uh, catching a value of trusting God for everything, uh, Abraham's hit on the bullseye here with Isaac. have to wonder what it's like when Isaac holds his own children, what it's like when Isaac starts making choices between one or the other. In fact, um, stay tuned. Next week, Paul Myler will talk about uh, Isaac. But that faith formed through relationship, uh, trusting God for all that we have, and then role modeling it in such a way that our children catch it and understand it and put it to work in their lives. I had a, a funny story that I think uh, ties in. Um, uh, one, one time, uh, the first year we were here, um, well, I'm sorry, um, this may or may not uh, be a story um, about um, my daughter. Um, she's not here and she won't know. Um, so, uh, so the pastor um, was pulling into the driveway at the parsonage over there um, where they had put in a, a garden. It was really cool. Um, and and uh, Grace says to me, she's like eight, and she says, I think I prayed for a garden. I'm like, what? When did, how did I not know this before when I was sweating, putting the garden together and you weren't helping? She says, no, I, I must have prayed for a garden. I said, you must have prayed for a garden? The great mystic eight-year-old. Um, I said, really, how, how do you know that? She says, because we have one. And I just assume that, you know, that God showed up and, and we have a garden and I must have prayed for it because surely God does the things that we ask him to do and somebody had to ask for it. I'm thinking, yeah, you're asking for it. Um, <laughs> and it was that moment that I, I described to her, um, I said, your dad's an Augustinian Wesleyan. Uh, Augustinian means that I work uh, as if it all depends upon me, and I pray as if it all depends upon God. And in the middle, God's beauty happens. So sure, we could sit out in the backyard and pray that a garden would show up, unless you can get up and get the topsoil, uh, find the cinder blocks, clear out the area, and you know, it wouldn't hurt if you planted something. Garden's not gonna show up. But can we make the plants grow? No. Who brings the growth? Some may water, some may plant, but God brings the growth. I wonder who's watching you. I, I wonder uh, who silently, innocently, beautifully is watching you to see how do you trust? How do you prioritize? What's most important for you? Because it's gonna become most important for them. In Raising a Generation in Faith, um, uh, Almost Christian, uh, a book by Kenda Creasy Dean, she says you have to have five adults in a person, in a child's life that have firm, vital faith for that kid to catch that faith. Five. You know, I never thought about it that way. But I think about the people around me as I grew up, the um, uh, youth group counselors, the pastors in the church that I served, the uh, friends of my parents who were faithful. I didn't get here on my own. I got here because they trusted God and they showed it in everything that they did. 
Yeah, they worked hard as if it all depended upon them, but they prayed out loud as if it all depended upon God. So, in a lot of ways, this is not a how-to for parenting. God's not saying, go sacrifice your child. There's no um, hard, fast, um, uh, literal translation of go put God to the test, but rather recognize that those around you are watching. They're soaking it up. They want to know how hope plays in your life. They want to know how trust plays in your life, and that that faith that they have is formed through relationships, relationships with God and relationships with you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.